Right up, Sam and Fua, which is so exciting to hear the word through them this morning. I'm just going to pray over you guys. We've been praying all morning, all week for, the, for this couple, um, but just as the word comes. Father, we just want to thank you for your word uh, this morning that we know you have uh, deposited in Sam and Fuller's hearts, Lord, the testimony of who you are and the impact you have had on their lives, Lord, transforming them from the inside out and as you continue to do, Lord. So, Father, we just open our hearts this morning. We open our ears uh, to uh, fully receive what you have to say through them, Lord. And I pray, God, just as your um, shofar goes out in a blast, that uh, that it's heard and it resounds. I pray, Lord, your word will be like the blast of the shofar, Lord, that we would hear it and it would resound uh, for us all and that we would hear it and become um, and be enlivened and um, not alert, um, not alarmed, but alert and awakened uh, to who you are, the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Atamari, greetings to the church of my name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you to the pastors, Kirk and Nell, for their encouragement and the opportunity to share our testimony and to call me for the support group. Oh, my name is Sam. This is my wonderful wife, for sure. Here's a present from the Lord to me. She does everything for me now. We've been married for 33 years. We have four children and three beautiful mokokuna. Lynette is like a sister to me. She helped me mercilessly as well. As well as each of my six siblings. And when we all left Gisborne, she looked after my mother for many years. She is a real treasure. She also, also is like family from Simon Methodist days. He's like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I was born in Gisborne, full soul as a South Auckland girl. We met while working for Youth for Christ in South Auckland. And we got married in Altara. Promised land. <laughs> She's my friend Helen Barr. We lived in Monaco for a year where our eldest was born. Then we returned to Gisborne for 10 years where our other children were born. We shifted to Napier for five years, then 15 years in North Shore, Auckland. Well, that just sounds Tiring reading that. <laughs> Maybe the message is if you wake up one day and you hear that the Sioux have shifted to another city, don't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it though. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease five years ago. Made redundant and Auckland was a web copywriter. And we decided to sell our house and, and return to the provinces 
to see me retire. When we return to the Tairawhiti, the promised land, two years ago, I caught up with Jason and Meredith, who I knew from Youth for Christ days. Through dinner at the ABs, many of you have experienced that. And uh, we met the vineyard pastors, Carl and Shah. When I shared my interest in the book of Revelation, they invited me to church as they were doing a series on Revelation. They gave us a nice welcome, and people were friendly and caring that we have kept attending here ever since. So, Carl Church, keep up the good money. If you don't, we'll be gone. <laughs> Growing up in Gizzi, many of you have experienced it's a boyhood dream to my boyhood in Gisborne. I've always known that God loved me because of my dad and mum's love for me and their faith in God. I grew up attending Methodist Church Sunday School and we learned beautiful action songs like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Into Manapapa Primary, Minister Intermediate, Boys High. The winters were good because the rugby was good. <laughs> In those days, the captain of the All Blacks was the captain of Baldy Bay, he was from Gisborne. And so too was the second player. So I watched them on TV touring the UK, and then I could watch them at Rugby Park playing for Natawa or high school liberals, while my dad was the loudest cheerer for GNC. <laughs> Summers were great, spent swimming at the beach mostly. I wasn't a surfer, but I enjoyed watching the boogie boarders ride the waves. I couldn't afford a boogie board, they were very expensive in those days, and I had to spend all my money in from my lawn mowing around on my first pair of Levi jeans <laughs> and my first Sondroy, and they were very expensive in those days. But summers were great, and uh, there was an auntie to a boy's His name was Mr. Kelly, but his nickname was Jesus, due to his beard and long hair. One day the waves at the pipe were so awesome, I saw Mr. Kelly and other boarders catch this gigantic wave and they rode it all the way in until they hit the sand. The others picked up their boogie boards to return, but to my amazement, Mr. Kelly didn't have a board. I was astounded and remembered thinking, maybe he is Jesus. <laughs> I watched him catch another wave without a board, and then another. And after trial and error, I finally caught my first wave without a board. No one forgets their first wave. The feeling of sheer exhilaration, the power of God's creation. I was hooked on body surfing. When I was 14, 
I was a victim of an experience that left me with a feeling of being unclean. Subconsciously, I felt ashamed, a guilt, I felt stained. No matter how much I washed, I couldn't rid myself of being unclean on the inside. As an 18-year-old, I stumbled upon and read a bridge to life tract. It was just on the floor. And I had to sleep out. And um, it had a picture diagram, which um, hopefully is my first slide. There was a cliff on the left side representing all people. And there was a cliff on the right side representing God. In the middle there was a chasm or a valley separating people from God. Eternal death. And there was a scripture, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There was another scripture, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Looking at that diagram, I was starting to understand that our sin causes separation from God. It's not just a physical death, but a spiritual death in hell. For God is a holy God. There is no sin in heaven or in his presence, but there is a place for sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In another scripture, John 3.16 For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In the diagram, the cross of Jesus becomes the bridge to life, to bring us back to God. Suddenly I understood the message of the gospel. Jesus had saved me from hell. I knew the wonder of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was in my place for every sin I had committed. I got on my knees and I gave thanks for God's love, Jesus' perfect sacrifice. The precious blood of Jesus had been shed for me. My life belongs to God. I surrendered my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And I ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit and wash me in the blood of Jesus. That unclean feeling that I carried for years was suddenly gone. I felt cleansed by the Lamb of God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All glory and honour be to God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just the curtain raising, so here's the main act.
And good morning, church. My name is For Soul Sue. Same to my beloved husband and my best friend. He is a blessing to me, to God, my four adult children and three grandchildren, whom I dearly love, are also God's gifts to us. I'd like to start my personal testimony of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by saying my profession of faith. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He came in the flesh. He was crucified. For you, for me, his blood washes me and cleanses me and redeems me of all my sins. He is my saviour and my friend. Jesus sits on the right side of the Father. I am his, and he is mine. I was born and raised in the beautiful tropical island of Samoa. Don't know any of you then. Um, to the age of nine, my parents and five siblings migrated to New Zealand in 1973 in search of a better life. I was raised in a strict and sheltered religious home. Mum and Dad would have evening devotions that included hymn, Bible reading and prayers. All of us kids had to be present for evening devotions. Sundays was considered a holy day of rest and church. No physical outside work or sports activities were allowed. How did I come to faith in Jesus? I made a personal commitment to serve and follow Jesus at the age of 15. At a Jesus 79 crusade, I don't know if any of you heard, this is in Auckland. Yes, 10 years. So, my parents allowed me to go because my high school teacher, who was also the leader of our school Christian fellowship, had come to ask them for permission. I had an awareness of God growing up. I had a reverent fear of God that was instilled in me at a young age. But it was all head knowledge until I made a personal heartfelt commitment to follow Jesus and acknowledge that I was a wretched sinner in need of a saviour, that the eyes of my heart saw Jesus and his love for me. I just want to add here about the importance of the teacher that at the high school that I went to, even though I was a church-going girl, um, I had a love for things of God. I went to the Christian Fellowship and I noticed that something was different about them. But I kept on going and then they had invited me to this um, crusade. So I went along and the teacher there had a, uh, was a link to my um, journey in coming to know Christ. And I really appreciate God for him. On the inside cover of my new Bible after my conversion, I wrote the scripture, Philippians 1.21. It says this, For me to live, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I expressed, it expressed a deep longing and a desire in my heart to follow Jesus and to live for him. But being a Christian was not easy. I remember two, two significant testings of my faith early in my Christian walk. I wanted to be baptised 
and I knew my parents would not approve. So then I was already baptized as an infant, but I prayed and God answered, and my dad reluctantly gave his approval. The next challenge was that I battled with the most was choosing between my parents and my Saviour Yeshua. I had to ask for my parents' permission to leave home and work in a full-time ministry role setting up an at-risk girls' home in Altara with two other leaders under Youth for Christ ministry. I was in my early 20s and as far as my parents were concerned, the only reason I would leave I would be leaving home is when I get married. Well, I hadn't met Sam then, and for some reason I didn't, I didn't think I was the type to get married. And it was a heartbreaking struggle for me, for I loved my parents. They made huge sacrifices for me and my siblings, and I felt I was dishonouring and disrespecting them. I also knew they can disown me as a daughter, because that was a cost. But that was the cost I was willing and prepared for to take up my cross and follow Jesus. And it was here that I learnt um, early on Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and, and there are many who go in by it. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Also, Matthew 16, 24 to 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desire, desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then the challenging scripture of Matthew 10, 37, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These scriptures challenged me. I wanted to obey and trust God's word and he answered my prayers and more. My father gave me his blessing. My relationship with my parents were not severed but stronger. And my faith and trust in God and in the power of prayer. I met Sam two years after leaving home. Marriage was far from my mind. I was prepared for a life of singleness and I think Jack and I wonder why I, and there was a reason and that was, I was not a very healthy specimen you could say. <laughs> I suffered a lot from respiratory um, asthma and I would go to hospital every so often during my late teens. So I ended up in hospital a lot, and I even had a, a life-threatening attack in my late teens. So I think there was always that sense that I was not a strong person. I was, you know, and I think when Sam and I were dating, I couldn't believe myself saying to him, oh, I just need you to know that I'm actually not a very healthy person. I suffer from asthma, I go to hospital every so often. And he says, well, I don't really care about that, but, <laughs> but, um, but it was interesting because it, it was just a, an interesting kind of sense of um, feeling that I had, that I would be single all my life, or God had other plans. Um, so 
Being a wife and a mother has its many challenges too. My most painful trials and testings of my faith was when it involved my children as teenagers and young adults. It required me and Sam to be on our knees, interceding and crying out to God on behalf of our children, and it continues to this day. And we won't give up. Juliet, though, our oldest daughter, is faithfully living her faith in Jesus, and we are thankful to God and blessed for her love for Jesus. We will not give up praying for our children. God is faithful and a covenant-keeping God. Our prodigal sons and daughter will return. Chapter 3, verse 17. I love this verse. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, And the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stores. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And with that, I just want to thank you for listening to my testimony. That's just snippets of some of the incredible things, um, experience that I had gone through with my Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ and in going forward to today I'm thankful to God for the fellowship that he's placed me in. Um, you're a wonderful group of people and I am excited for what God has ahead and my vision and just today um, Rosh Hashanah that um, Mal mentioned, I think it's quite special that we got to share today because it's the year of the open gates. So, and also Kirk mentioning going through the gateways. There's so much of that and even the verse that the Lord gave me about um, goes through the narrow gate. And so it all kind of ties in, it all sort of links in and I think it's really powerful. And I think we're coming into a new season as a church and even as individuals. I know for me, I'm hopeful that the drought seasons where my children are at, I think this coming season is an exciting one. And I know for the church it is as well. Bless you all. Thank you. So and Sam, that was that was awesome and just authentic and beautiful and as always in such humility. So thank you so much for blessing your heart to this church.